Marriage. No matter where your marriage is right now, it can be full of hope, grace, change, and love. Listen in as we present Pursue Marriage Weekender 2023, a series of sessions and sermons where the Bible is celebrated, marriages are nurtured, and lives are transformed. This morning, I, I talked a little bit again about the idea of you know, persevering uh, to good things in marriage, and, and really my thoughts not much different. Uh, some more heady things this morning, but I, just a simple devotional thought tonight, and I'm going to be mindful of my time. I know your pastor and Brother Bernie need to get away, and their wives as well. So if you would, um, look with me, and well, just hold your place there in John 21, but I'm going to read a text out of Matthew. I just want you to listen. It says, Lay not for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But rather, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. And then here's the principle, for where your tra- treasure is, there will your heart be also. And the thought this morning is, is we can direct our thoughts. And by our actions and our deliberate choices, we can even choose to direct our feelings. Um, in other words, in this way, feelings become servants and not masters. And so, in the life of the Lord here, in the life of Peter, there was a failure. And when the Lord was in his great difficulty and trial, Peter failed him. He, in many ways, failed the test of love, if you would. But the Lord wasn't done with him. And because Peter listened to what was about to be said, that I'll read in a moment, he was able to grow in love for the Lord again. So, in John 21, verse 15, it says this, So, when they had dined... Jesus presents himself now after the resurrection. He finds Peter and the disciples. They'd gone fishing. They'd really abandoned the cause, but now the Lord is calling them back to the cause. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said to them, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And here's his formula. He saith unto him, Well, then feed my sheep, feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved. He was grieved because he knew the failure of his past. He knew he really didn't act like he loved the Lord. But the Lord's helping him to find his way back. And Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, well, feed my sheep. Holy Father, I pray in the next few moments as we simply consider this thought, a simple thought from your word tonight, that, Lord, we would, uh, Lord, obedient to what you say. Lord, our task is not to feed the sheep in the exact same way that Peter did, but, Lord, there's a command to obey. There, there's a mission to fulfill. Lord, there's things that are right to do and, Lord, sometimes we fail and we get off course. Lord, direct us back to the task of, Lord, loving each other, taking care of each other, of ministering and pastoring, and, Lord, in our relationship, of loving one another. And I'm going to ask for your help with this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was the spring of 1987, and I was doing a teaching internship in biology with Mr. Paul Wilson in his biology class in the city of Owasso, Oklahoma. It's a suburb outside of Tulsa. I was a senior in college finishing up my microbiology degree, and I was looking forward to a career in education. Mr. Wilson was a veteran teacher who loved biology. His study was, <laughs> it was owl pellets. Now, I don't know what owl pellets are, but when owls eat things, 
they regurgitate them into a pellet form, all the hair, and then you dissect them to study what was the diet of the owl. So I gave a semester to dissecting owl pellets. It was disgusting, but it was educational. And so that's what I did, along with teaching classes in biology. One day while teaching, I should say probably after teaching, I noticed a young lady across the hall in Mr. Charlie Rake's math class. Actually, it was physics, I believe. And she had a captivating smile. She was a pretty girl. And I, I was immediately infatuated, you know. Um, I was awkward about trying to talk to her. I was a little shy in those days. But I positioned myself after class in the hallway, so she had to walk by me um, as she was going to her next class. And in time, she did walk by me. And at first, it was just a hi. It was a hello. But in time, she actually stopped and spoke with me for a few moments. And over the course of the semester, I look forward to these little brief encounters, speaking with her, even though the time was brief. Well, that summer after I graduated and she graduated, that was a prop, you know, it was the proper thing to do. I was a senior in college and she was a senior in high school. We have five years difference. I know it doesn't look like that, but <clears throat> we are. <laughs> I saw this young lady again. And she invited me to her church, and I was very eager to accept that invitation. I was going from a new church in college that I had been committed to, and I was coming back home, and she invited me to go. I never will forget the first time I asked if I could see her socially. (laughs) So I was taking a group of people home, and I made sure she was the last that I dropped off. And so we got out of the car, and I came around and uh, opened the door, and she got out. And I'm on this side of the car, and she's on that side of the car. And I'm standing there, she's walking towards the door, and I'm just staring at her. And I said, hey, Terry. And she turned to look. I said, hey, would, would you maybe sometime, I, I don't, I, um, I'm not really sure how to say it. Would, would there, could there possibly, would you, would you ever like to go out sometime? I mean, it was the most awkward, horrible thing you have ever seen. And I was in utter shock and disbelief when she said, yeah, I'd like that. Man, I don't skip often, but I skipped that night. And I was so excited. I I floated all the way home. I was so excited about the potential of seeing her in that way. And it was the midsummer of 87. You know, a long story made short. We were married in February of the next year, six months later. February 19th, 1988, just six months after my first time we got together. I had to I had asked Terry's dad if, if I could first of all, date her, and then I had to ask if I could marry her. Boy, I was nervous, and I think it was only by the help of her mother that that ever happened, you know. For whatever reason, she liked me a little bit. We were married on her parents' anniversary date because they had such a great marriage. We just wanted to emulate that, and her dad had a part in the ceremony, and, and it, was, it was super special. 35 years later, we've seen a lot. We've been through a lot. We've been poor. We've had nothing. The Lord's allows us to see a measure of blessing um, I've had an incredible experience as a dad, as a husband, and a pastor. God gave us seven kids, a wonderful place to call home in Eastland Baptist Church. It's been a great life. But that doesn't mean it hasn't had its moments and its difficulties. Um, you know, marriage is between two sinful people. We're not always our best. It's a challenge. And, you know, I said this morning, we don't, we don't flourish because we're compatible. We flourish because we're committed Amen. to the same thing, to the same Lord, same purpose, to the same happiness to the same goals. You know, commitment sometimes can fall by the wayside, 
And there's a lot more to a relationship than just commitment. It should be so much more built on that foundation. But commitment's a big part of that. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about for a few moments tonight. Um, 35 years ago, I pledged my promise to her. I promised to love her, to cherish her, never to leave or forsake her, and all kinds of conditions, sickness and health and poverty and those things, and we've seen most all of those. I made a pledge to seek her highest good, to stay with her, to stand beside her. Good times and bad, success and failure, her bad and mine. As the Bible says, and I found true in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love never fails, and it never has, and I'm so grateful for that. And the reason it doesn't fail is because love isn't resting and rooted in a feeling. It's resting and rooted in a commitment to an action. It's it's something that I can do by the grace of God and by His power. I can always choose to act in her best interest. And what's so fascinating and and a blessing about that is that when I do what I'm supposed to, feelings follow. Love of all the virtues, the Bible says it's the highest, it's the greatest, it's the grandest. There's a lot of commandments in the Bible, but really they just hinge on two things. You know, loving God and loving people. And all the, all the law of the commandments hang on those things. It's rooted in love. The greatest of these, the Bible says, is love. It's, it's a gift we give to one another. And the violation of love is the greatest hurt we can cause in someone else's life. Whatever else we bring to a marriage, love is the most, com- most important, and I mean by the love, a commitment of love, to always love. And we can because love is a choice. Love is a commitment. It's a covenant that God helps us keep with another person. And so there's some thoughts uh, tonight I want to give you, and, and this is just the idea of continuing. And when times get hard, you don't have enough positive capital that we, we, we go forward. And, and let me give you four thoughts, and I'm going to come back and explain them each briefly. But when it comes to the commitment to love, I want, I want you to know that God commands us to love. It's a commandment. It's not a choice. It's not optional. It's not something we do. We feel like it. We don't. We just always are supposed to love. Secondly, God never commands us to do something that we can't do by His grace. You can love. It's a choice. You can love other people. You can love objects. You can love things. You certainly can love your spouse. Number three, you can't just decide to have the feelings of love. Now, you can decide to act in love, but the emotion is something that comes sometimes afterwards. But number four, I can always decide to do those things that lead to feeling love. I want to illustrate this just for a moment. Um, you know, all of us would know the experience of being ill or being sick. You know, we might have a cold, the flu, or whatever else. Okay, uh, when I'm sick, I can't just decide to be non-sick. I can't decide not to feel sick. I, I can't decide not to have the symptoms of sickness. But what I can do is this. I can do those things that would lead me to feel better in time. Does that make sense? I, I can't go from here to there immediately, but I can help myself by doing those things that propel me in time to this position of health. I can take my medicine. I can take vitamin C. I can get more rest. You know, I, I can do all kinds of things that will assist and help me and propel me to the place that I am not yet, but I can be because of the actions that I take. I can move in that direction. See, that's the great truth of Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, what you invest in, what you give yourself to. Person, place, or thing, where your treasure is, in time your heart will be there also. The order cannot be reversed. It's incredibly important. Hey, look, when I saw Terry, I was infatuated. I love her today. 
And my love has grown deeper because of experience and sacrifice and service and some things I'll talk about. It's the life that we've had together that really has made us be in love in a far greater way. And tonight, just some simple, simple thoughts. Number one is this, that if you want to love something more, that you have to serve it. In a principal form, you serve in order to love. One of the ways we misuse the notion of love is to say that we can fall into it. <laughs> now, I know what people mean, and I, I would, you know, agree, and I, I, I like the notion, really, of falling in love. But, you know, we've got to be careful, because if you can fall into love, then that implies maybe that I could fall out of love. And that, that would be unfair and untrue. We, we can't fall out. You know, at first we're attracted, and then we might be infatuated. We may enjoy someone and like someone, but to love then takes time. To love them involves a choice, and doing things and serving them in great ways. We love that which we serve. Years ago, when I first came to Eastland Baptist Church, about 30 years ago, we first walked in the doors, <laughs> and I was a school teacher, and the pastor then, Brother Hardy, who's still my mentor, asked me to teach a class. And it was a class that was, oh, 10, 15 years our senior, and I walked in there, and now these were some very, very hard-pressed, fundamental, independent Baptist people, and they were ultra-conservative, and, 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 and they were unique. And I don't mean any of those terms disparagingly. I don't. They were just pressed people. And Terry and I walked in there, and they looked at us, you know, and we looked at them. I thought, you know, Lord help. And I could give you some names that would mean nothing to you, but I look at them, and they make me laugh. I didn't love them. I just met them. But time went by. And I served them. We went to the house, and when they're sick, we took them meals. When they're in the hospital, we visited them, and when their kids were sick, we went. We spent hard times and good times with them, and today, most of those people are still with us. 25 years later, I cannot tell you how special they are to me. I love everybody in the church, but that group. Listen, anyone who's ever served anything or anyone, you can't help but love those things in time. You see, a husband loves a wife because he serves, or a wife loves a husband because she serves him. If you want to love Canyon Ridge Baptist Church more, get involved here. Amen. Man, you're a spectator. You're always going to be on the outside looking in. You want to love this place? Get involved here. You know, do something here. Be a, be a part. And all of a sudden, you'll go from critic to compassionate. You have a love for this pastor and his wife and the people here. Love is always the fruit of serving and sacrificing and struggle. And that's what's happening here in the story of Peter. You know, in, in, in a moment, the commitment that Peter had failed, but the Lord said, man, go back and feed my sheep, Peter. Get back in the game. Feed them, feed them. He's implied this, serve them, serve them, serve them. And then you'll, you'll find a, a, a bond that then is unbreakable. And that's what the Lord wants us to do, is to serve. If you want to love something, you give to it. That's the second thought. If you want to love, you have to give to love. It's a great and simple truth is that what we give ourselves to, we will love. See, here's what we think. We have this notion that receiving is the greatest thing in life. And by the way, it is, it's awesome to receive. I don't mind gifts. Things are, it's fun to be a recipient. But the Bible makes it so abundantly clear. It is more blessed to do what? To give than receive. It's blessed. It's a happiness. It's a joy. There's so many more things that enrich the life that come into our heart when we give. 
for every lady here who's been a mom, you just so intuitively know this. But you experimentally know this. You had a life develop inside of you, and, and you, you gave to that. You gave before they were born. And the minute they were born, oh my, did you give. And we, you know, we have grown children, and Terry and I are still in all kinds of ways giving to them. A mother's love is so great for a child is because she has given so much to that child. She's given time. She's given her heart. She's given resources. She's given knowledge. She's given life where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. If we want to love God, well, then we should give. And I mean in every possible way. Man, you know, until you give your money, there's going to be a measure of love you're not going to know. Until you give your time, there's going to be a measure of love you may not know, a depth of love you may not know. But if you're waiting to, to feel it, to receive it, to be the recipient, you're going to be waiting forever. But if you really want to know the depth of the love, for God so loved that he gave. Giving is, is, is the way that we do this. And if you want to love something in a greater way, don't, don't wait to be the recipient, be the giver. Be the one who's doing that. And by the way, the Bible says, you know, when you, that we, we sow what we reap. We reap what we sow, rather. And so when you, you give love, man, love is one of the greatest reciprocal relationships in all the world. It, it's amazing. The more I love her, the more she loves me. The, the more I give, the more I get back. And, and so if you're in a position where you, the relationship is stale, well, then just start giving to it, giving to it, and giving to it. You just prime that pump and prime that pump. You just keep giving. You pump, and I'm going to tell you what, it's inevitable. God will reward that. You'll get something back. You'll get what you need after you give first. Don't wait for the other partner. Don't, don't worry about time. Do it now. And, you, and I promise you on the authority of the Word of God that there'll be a blessing there. I mean, give to your wives. Give them, what, give them what they need. They want affection. They want to feel special. Women love intimacy. That's called, by that I mean closeness, a connection, nothing in between. You know, no hostility between, uh, not a lack of trust that's in between us. Um, don't want to go to bed with any one of us mad. That's what they, they, they want intimate. They want closeness. Well, give them that. Give them that. Give them security, stability. Make, make their world good and right. Give them affirmation. And you'll get back companionship, and you'll get back honor, and you'll get back the love that you want. And ladies, if you start that first, and then I can't promise you every time, but I, I think God's not a liar. You're going to get back. And then finally tonight, you need to serve to love. You need to give to love. And then here's where faith comes in so often. When you obey, you'll discover love. You have to obey. You know, Jesus said, if you obey me, you'll love me. If you love me, you'll obey me. To go together. It's not just a principle of a proof. It's a truth. When you and I are obedient to God, when we step out in obedience, we'll always, that will always lead us to the richest and best things in life. You'll discover love. There may be times in your marriage that you... You're going to have trouble. There may be times in your marriage that you're hurt, and maybe deeply. And there's going to be times it's going to be hard. But that is the time most of all you need to step out and obey God and continue 
and to persevere. And at the time you feel like you're the driest and, and things are the hardest, that's the time to give your best. Instead of backing away, obey God. I made a promise to her. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to obey God. I made a promise to God as a pastor. And it's not always easy, but I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to obey. There's times in life where there's struggle and my feelings want to leave, but I've got to set that aside. And, I, and I'm going to, by the grace of God, I'm going to try to obey. And every time you obey, you'll be rewarded for that. And it may not feel like in the moment, in the immediate but when you serve and when you give and when you obey, there's a blessing that comes. Obey God always. It will lead to love. Because here's the truth. When you and I stray off the path of obeying God, as we talked about this morning, when you're not following the Word of God, when you don't keep your commitments, when you're not doing those things that you said you would do, it's going to take you somewhere other than you want to be. You're not going to get where you want to go. There's the times when obedience can be hard. And marriage, baby, has even been violated. But that's the time most of all to serve and to give and then obey. Keep the promises. Keep the commitment. It's not a time to fall into neglect. We talked about the damaging effects of that. But obey God. Remember your vows. God... Men, make, make your wives the second greatest priority in your life, right behind the Lord. Amen. You follow Him, and you love her. Ladies, here's God, your husband right there. You do what the Word of God says, not what you always feel, not what you always want to say. You serve, and you give, and you obey God. I have found this that when we do that, beautiful things can happen. We want everything to happen fast, and it always doesn't. <clears throat> but we can do those things that will get us where we want to go. I'm sick, don't feel great, life's not good. I can lead myself to a better place by what I do. My marriage isn't maybe where I want it to be. Okay. You serve the Lord, and you serve that man or woman. You give to God, and you give to that man or woman. And you obey God. And you humble yourself, and you love this person. And I just believe on the authority of the Word of God. You'll get where you want to go. You'll be in a better place if you serve, if you give, and you obey. Thank you for listening. Find more messages every week at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, join us for a service. We meet at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 p.m.